0: As more and more cases of COVID-19 are reported worldwide, our lives are being turned upside down. But how is Germany handling this crisis of the century?
1: Some of the steps that that we've seen taken in Germany have been taken fairly early to prevent that type of death toll that we've seen these catastrophic numbers coming from Italy.
0: Chancellor Angela Merkel has described the pandemic as the biggest challenge to Germans since World War II. But what does it mean for Europe's
2: future? I don't mean the European Union will just disappear, but I think the European Union once again is becoming irrelevant.
0: Germany and the coronavirus pandemic, next on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadin nelson This week we are coming to you at a special time to talk about a health crisis that has turned all of our lives upside down. I am, of course, talking about the coronavirus pandemic. Seit der
2: deutschen Einheit, nein, seit dem Zweiten Weltkrieg, gab es keine Herausforderung an unser Land mehr, Bei der es so sehr auf unser gemeinsames, solidarisches Handeln ankommt.
0: That's Chancellor Merkel, who in an unusual televised address last week called COVID-19 the biggest challenge her nation has faced since the Second World War. She and Germany are widely praised for their handling of the coronavirus, but is that praise deserved? My guests who will be answering that question are Andreas Kluth of Bloomberg News Service, fellow studio Berlin host Sumi Somaskanda, and the Berlin Policy Journal's Henning Hoff. Welcome, friends.
3: Hello. Hello.
2: Hello.
0: We all need to do our part to practice social distancing, so they are joining me on the phone rather than in the studio. Andreas, we have a lot of ground to cover, so let me start with you. Do you think Germany deserves the acolytes it's getting?
2: Yes, in general it does. Um although the pandemic is delayed here, so we'll only be able to tell after the fact how it turned out. But in particular, let me just highlight one thing that impressed me um, last week already, the contrast between uh, Donald Trump in the U.S. and Angela Merkel here. And you could have many contrasts, Xi Jinping in China and Boris Johnson in the U.K. And every leader in every national culture seems to handle this in a different way, But whereas Donald Trump seems to go about this in a very nationalist way, calling it a foreign virus and a Chinese virus. And Angela Merkel emphasizes the solidarity. She doesn't treat it like, for instance, like French President Emmanuel Macron. She doesn't even speak about fighting a war. She just appeals to German citizens without giving them any orders yet, but for so far just appealing to them to do their part in solidarity and compares that to, you know, historical challenges like the end of World War II. I thought that was the right tone.
0: So the messaging is is there in terms of uh, Angela Merkel's handling of it. But Sumi, do you think that the steps Germany has taken have anything to do with the fact that the death rate is fairly low at this stage compared to other countries that have a similar number or even more cases?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case, that some of the steps that we've we've seen taken in Germany have been taken fairly early to prevent that type of death toll that we've seen, these catastrophic numbers coming from Italy, and now that we're also seeing coming from Spain as the numbers there are rising. And, you know, part of the reason, uh, it's suspected that part of the reason that the the numbers remain fairly low, uh, some of the reporting that we saw from the Financial Times indicate that Germany is actually, on top of the measures that have been implemented or recommendations, let's say, that have been uh, implemented here by the government and by the the various state governments, has also been testing far more than those countries. So uh, testing for COVID-19, and uh, it's it's believed that up to 160,000 tests a week are possible. It's not clear how many are actually being carried out. But that's also being credited for the the lower death rate uh, that that we've seen in Germany. Also, it's believed that the the people who have contracted the virus, uh, the people who uh, have been registered as positive tests here, are younger on average than uh, the number of people who have tested positive in Italy. So I think combined with the measures, uh, that has all contributed to the lower death toll here.
2: But
0: Henning, do you see, are there items, I mean, okay, we've talked about testing, um, but I'm wondering, are there things that Germany should have done and it hasn't done or should have been doing sooner?
3: Well, I think think we all underestimated the severeness of this crisis in the first couple of weeks, and only until recently, Germany has really geared up to fight this with all its might. What could have done earlier? Maybe if you you look at how the virus spread in Germany, um, a tiny town in in North Rhine-Westphalia, Heinsberg, where there was a carnival celebration allowed. um, In in retrospect, that probably wasn't wasn't very wise. But um, uh, as I said, it's it's easy to criticise later on. I think, think overall the effort is quite impressive.
0: Sumi, of course, the federal government has been allowing the states to sort of take the lead about what measures or what bans they implement. Is that a good approach?
1: Well, it really is the only approach constitutionally. I mean, these measures, it is up to states to decide. It's part of Germany's uh, federal structure. Uh, where states uh, are the ones who have to implement or uh, the onus is on them to implement these measures. And there has been criticism of that, that Germany, because of that, doesn't have a coordinated approach and cannot issue, for example, a nationwide lockdown unless the chancellor were to declare a state of emergency. On the other hand, you have seen state uh, leaders here acting pretty much in concert with each other. So more and more, they are implementing very similar measures. We've seen a uh, very uh, restricting movement further. And we are expecting the remaining German states and regions to do the same uh, also here in Berlin. So on the one hand, yes, it does make it more difficult to have a coordinated approach to, to curbing the crisis and slowing the spread, which is what the chancellor said over and over again. But the government has also said that they're very happy with the way that uh, states are trying to work together uh, to make sure that everyone's really on the same
0: line. Uh, Andreas, is there any state that you think has been doing it better than others or worse than others?
2: Um, well, the states are differently affected so far. North Rhine was fairly a little and so forth. But the state that seems to be handling it the best in terms of getting the most trust from the population is Bavaria, as Sumi mentioned, and, and Markus Söder, the, the governor or premier of Bavaria, in a poll that I just saw, is now, for the first time, I think the most popular politician in Germany, followed by Angela Merkel. And that's quite a change from recent months, you know, when before the coronavirus. He took some drastic measures, but he's a good communicator. He explains every measure. He doesn't want to be caught out waiting too long. So I think Bavaria has been doing this very well. And then, you know, the other states in Germany or even in Europe, they're very different approaches to this. And what just one thing I wanted to say is we were, earlier we were all sounding so confident why Germany had so few deaths that could change any moment. We, we had, The main thing about this is we don't know anything, and the experts don't know anything. We don't even know death rates. We, we have no information. So we don't know why Germany has been spared so far, relatively speaking.
0: Um, do you think then that the infamous lockdowns that we've seen in China, in Italy, and more recently in Spain and France, are those going to be coming to Germany?
2: I suspect they will. And as you know, there's been rumors all week that they might come to London as well, which is the worst way to do it is you leak rumors, but then you don't do it, therefore giving everyone time to clear out and infect each other on the trains and in the car. I think in Germany, they're genuinely, Merkel, Uh, one thing she made clear, she's East German originally, you know. She didn't have the liberty of free movement and stuff. That's the last thing she wants to do. She wants to get a voluntary buy-in from the German population. Unfortunately, in my observation, the Germans aren't really behaving themselves very well so far, so it may come to a lockdown. But a voluntary participatory social effort is much preferably, and I, I think maybe we can still avoid a lockdown. So we're
0: going to talk more about that personal behavior and Angela Merkel's speech uh, that resonated around the world when we come back from our break. This is Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM.
2: Hey, you. You've been hearing and reading the news all day, so what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune
0: in to The Takeaway weeknights at six on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. You're listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi nelson And today on this special edition of Studio Berlin, we're talking about the coronavirus pandemic and Germany's handling of it. On the phone with me are Andreas Kluth of Bloomberg News Service, fellow Studio Berlin host Sumi Somaskanda, and the Berlin Policy Journalist Henning Hoff. Chancellor Angela Merkel didn't sugarcoat the sacrifices people in Germany are going to have to make in the coming months.
2: Solange das so ist, gibt es nur eines: die Ausbreitung des Virus zu verlangsamen, sie über die Monate zu strecken und so Zeit zu gewinnen. Zeit, damit die Forschung ein Medikament und einen Impfstoff entwickeln kann, aber vor allem auch Zeit, damit diejenigen, die erkranken, bestmöglich versorgt werden können.
0: Her message was almost apocalyptic and yet calming. Sammy, what do you think? You know, I was really impressed by
1: the the TV address that she delivered. I mean, it's important to mention that this is the first address of its kind that she delivered in her entire time in office, right? She never really speaks directly to the public, only the New Year's address. So it's the first time that a crisis prompted her to do so. And she's faced many crises in her time in office. So again, just highlights the importance of this. And she spoke not only in a clear and direct fashion, but also in such plain language, uh, referring to people's families, to their grandparents, to think of them really Appealing to people uh, she made a point of really championing the people on the front lines, so the healthcare care workers uh, and also giving a you know a big um thanks as well to the people who are working in supermarkets you know stocking shelves and working. Um, at the registers to make sure that people still uh, can buy food essentially and I think it, it was a message that was so uh, that was delivered in such a calm fashion but with also uh, so much urgency and she managed to balance the tone in, in my opinion in just the right way and in in general she has seemed to me to strike the right tone throughout this crisis and i say throughout even though she's only really spoken um, uh, spoken up about the coronavirus pandemic in the past few weeks but if you remember uh, she she, in the very first comments that she made, said, you know, 60 to 70 percent of our population is likely to, to be infected. And that was called fear-mongering by some. But she said, you know what, I have talked to health officials and this is what they're telling me. So she, she's, you know, she's really at pains to, to say over and over again, this is information. All that I'm saying is based on what health officials are telling me. So again, based in science and calm uh, delivery, I think, has been really effective
0: so, Henning, was this Angela Merkel the politician or Angela Merkel the scientist that we heard in that speech?
3: I think definitely both. Um, she, this is really very much her style. This is the mixing, this sort of calm and thought through um, a sort of methodology of, of a scientist, and and making this sort of, sort of her political style, which has served her well over the last 15 years or so, and um, I, I must say I, I was impressed too. The only thing which probably was missing from her speech was this sort of European dimension to it. Sort of, We, we see our, our neighboring countries are all sort of affected in various ways and it would probably be sort of A, the icing on the cake if she, she had sort of in terms of political communication also had been able to, to mention this European dimension to the whole thing as well.
0: Well, it does seem that a lot of the European countries are going it alone and shutting their borders. And I mean, they are in conversation with each other, but they seem to be making individual decisions. Andreas, does that mean the end of the European Union?
2: I said that, uh, or with a question mark, this week uh, in a column. I I think in the, it does in a way, not in a short term. I don't mean the European Union will just disappear, but I think the European Union once again is becoming irrelevant when facing a a huge common problem. I mean, if you remember, for instance, the the refugee crisis 2015-16, the European Union back then didn't either and still hasn't found a common policy towards migrants and Turkey sending them our way either. And now this thing is showing up. And I also was impressed by Merkel, as I said, but it's also true that Germany has an export ban or has stopped shipments of face masks to some of its southern neighbors, um, Austria, Switzerland. And, and so if the EU is really the solidarity project, which was ultimately aiming at, you know, at a United States of Europe or we would have a common identity even, that's all gone. And it's purely national solutions and national solidarity and allegiance. And I think you see it in Italy where, you know, in northern Italy where the crisis is worst, The people are quarantined, and they're putting these Italian flags on their balcony, and I haven't seen a European flag anywhere in Europe on any balcony. And I think it just, once again, it it will strengthen the populists everywhere because it just drives home the message. In a pinch, if it's really serious, the only one you can count on is your own nation, and that is a terrible message for Brussels
3: and the EU. I would, would give it a little bit more, more time, Andreas. I think the sort of the the EU couldn't really react. Health is not one of the, the sort of competences of, of the European Union, and we have, still have national. Health services all across Europe. I'm slightly more optimistic, I think if you if you look at the sort of economic response which has started now on, on national levels, but sort of will be will be there with a vengeance also from Brussels. i'm I'm not as, as pessimistic that sort of in the second phase of this crisis, the European Union will reassert as itself to some extent.
0: When you're talking about the economic measures, maybe you can elaborate a bit on them for the audience?
3: Well, um, all national governments have sort of started huge um, multi-billion programmes now to support their their national economies. But Brussels has a lot of firepower too, and the uh, European Central Bank sort of uh, announced unprecedented measures to to stabilise Europe's economy. And we will see see the effects of that in the coming weeks and months.
0: Sumi, I'm going to go to you to ask about personal responsibility, and not because I don't think you're being responsible in this crisis, but <laughs> but we live here in the capital, Berlin, and if you go on the streets, uh, you see a combination of things. I mean, you see places that are emptied out. Alexanderplatz yesterday, for example, was completely empty when I went there. But then you see a million people in the park, Volkspark Friedrichsheim, which is not too far from my house, or people having their kids play in playgrounds, even though there's been a, a recommendation against that. Do you think that personal responsibility Is going to really be the thing in the end that makes the difference, or is it leadership that makes the difference?
1: Well, leadership, Sarai, I think can only go so far. I mean, we've seen Chancellor Merkel issue her recommendations, appeal to people to please stay at home, please practice social distancing, uh, isolation if possible. And at the end of the day, it will come down to us. We have seen proven that, you know, self or isolation, social distancing does help. And I've seen the same thing you have, Sarai. I mean, I've walked around the streets and I see really wildly varying approaches. You know, I still have to take the uh, public transportation, for example, into uh, Deutsche Welle, one of my employers in the morning, uh, to work there. And I see people, some people sitting in groups together and other people uh, staying at distance and covering their faces with their shawls. And it's the same that I've seen on the street and in the grocery stores, and it really makes me wonder if the message has really sunk in yet, and and when it will, and if, you know, we're going to have to see all the individual uh, states and regions in Germany uh, be more forceful, so issue, you know, complete lockdowns or or curfews uh, in order to get people to stay inside. That being said, I I do think with the severity of the crisis, uh, and especially, you know, the death toll that we see in in Italy, and how pervasive this is across, you know, every news channel, uh, social media platforms. I do think Uh, People are starting to understand. I noticed uh, in the grocery store yesterday that, you know, waiting in line, everyone was uh, waiting and, you know, keeping that uh, one meter distance from each other. And that was something that just a few days earlier was not the case when I was trying to to buy stuff at the grocery around the corner for me. So, yes, to answer your question, I do think that personal responsibility is going to be key. And I think that people are slowly starting to get it, although we'll have to see uh, how people um, act as the days get warmer and people want to spend more time outside.
0: Briefly, if I can get each of you to describe how you're going to be doing your jobs from now on, because it's our job as journalists and as people who convey information, whether it's in journals or on air or in newspapers or online, you know, to bring that information to people. How do we do that in this environment? I, as a veteran war correspondent, am finding it really difficult to figure that out. So I'm curious, just briefly, if you can describe how you guys are going about your daily jobs at this stage.
2: Are you asking specifically if I'm doing it in my underwear? Or? <laughs> well, if you want to get to that, that level of I'm detail. A, I am now an <laughs> a, a opinion columnist, which is a wonderful mm. thing to be in this situation. I can do that from home or from anywhere. And for me personally, there's almost no interruption at all except the lack of stimulation from my uh, colleagues in the office.
0: Henning, what are you doing? Are you working at home or in the office, online, or how are you doing it?
3: I'm working from home now as the whole editorial team of the um, two two magazines we publish, the Berlin Policy Journal and International Politik. It's a unique, very new um, experience. Everyone sits at his own table at home, and we're trying to to have our meetings nonetheless. It's challenging, and I really miss going out, I must say. But hopefully it's not for too long, and at some point things can go back to normal.
0: And Sumi, what about you? I mean, you have TV and radio. This has got to be really hard. It is really
1: hard, Soraya, at DW News, which is Germany's international broadcaster, it's a surreal experience. You have to imagine we have a huge, you know, humming newsroom regularly, and they reacted very quickly and proactively and split us up into different newsrooms. So we're working across the building. There are shadow teams at home, contingency teams that come in if one person's infected, and an entire newsroom working on one particular day has to be quarantined. And so it's mind-boggling for, I think, the bosses to try to organize schedules and Different teams at different places also have to mention that since schools are closed, a lot of people are dealing with child care and taking care of kids at home. So it's an odd balancing act, but somehow it seems to be working so far.
0: Do any of you have a sense of how long this will be? I mean, you know, we've heard that months, we've heard, you know, the end of of Easter vacation, we've heard in the fall in the United States and California and some places. I mean, what is your best guess at this stage?
2: I know someone who's working in in one of these German companies working on a vaccine. And, you know, the politics of the vaccination was huge because Trump tried to buy a German company uh, and and all that. It'll depend on that or on uh, the so-called herd immunity. But I fear that whenever we come out of, you know, self-quarantine, it'll pick up again. And I actually i am not so sanguine that this will be over soon. I think there'll be degrees, you know, green, yellow, and red, or something that, where we partially let the economy come back, and then if cases come back, we throttle it again. But I think this could be with us for the whole year.
0: Sumi?
1: Yeah, I agree with Andres that it's just so hard to tell right now. I I think from most of uh, what I've seen in terms of researchers and epidemiologists speaking on this, Uh, You know, we could look at China at Wuhan uh, and see how the, the rate has turned around there and be perhaps positive that this could, you know, be over in a few months. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean that the infections are completely gone in China or in Wuhan, for that matter. And it could be that COVID-19 is with us uh, for the foreseeable future. That could mean that we will all need to get a shot every year. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. And even if there is a vaccine, I mean, the best research seems to indicate that it could, until it's actually out on the market, it might be mid-2021. So that's a long time from now. Henning,
0: any closing thoughts on that?
3: I tend to agree with with Andreas and, and Sumi. It's really, really hard to tell. We we're probably better off preparing for this, take, taking quite a long while. But then again, there, there are quite a, quite a few, few things we just don't know. And this might also sort of play the other way. Maybe a vaccine goes, is invented quicker, and um, I wouldn't sort of, at that point, be too pessimistic about everything. <laughs>
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Studio Berlin. Um, My guests are Andreas Kluth of Bloomberg News Service, fellow Studio Berlin host Sumi Somoskanda, and the Berlin Policy Journal's Henning Hof. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Unfortunately, we lost our phone connection to Andreas at the end, but I very much appreciate him and the others taking the time out to discuss these important issues. And now for a coda to this episode. Chancellor Merkel on Sunday announced a ban on any gatherings of more than two people, unless you are related or living together. She told reporters that the ban, which will be enforced by police, will continue at least through April 5th.
2: Bitte ziehen Sie alle mit.
0: The chancellor added, "Please, everyone, do your part. Show some reason and compassion." A few hours after that press conference, the German government announced that Merkel had gone into self-quarantine. After she was notified that her doctor, who had given her a pneumonia vaccine, had tested positive for the coronavirus. I'm your host, Soraya Surhadi Nelson. Tune in next week to another episode of Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM.